This is the morning sports desk for Wednesday, July 26th. All right, so let's do this thing again. No Corey Tackman. It is just me, CJ Baumgartner, doing this thing today. So the morning sports desk as we get ready on this 26th of July. Things did not go well for the Minnesota Twins last night. They blew a lead in the well in the eighth inning. They were up seven to uh, six to two rather, and well. The wheels fell off. Giovanni Moran came in and walked two batters, and then Emilio Pagan came in and finished the job. As it was a six-three ball game, and then Pagan or a six-four ball game, excuse me. And then Pagan decided to give up a game-tying two-run home run, and then Oliver Ortega did this in the top of the ninth inning. Ortega needs an out ahead of Suarez one and two. The stretch and the pitch grounded fair inside third down the left field line. Marlowe scores. Wong will score to third base Crawford. He is in standing. A two-run double on a hanging slider from Eugenio Suarez. And the Mariners surge in front 8-6. to six. Yeah, not a great look for the home nine. They lose yesterday and really waste a great effort. The Twins jumped on George Kirby early, a really, really good starting pitcher in the American League. And the Twins really couldn't do anything after that. They got six runs in the first three innings and then... They proceeded to just go in a line. The Twins did not get another hit past the third inning until a uh, Michael A. Taylor solo home run in the bottom of the ninth. They didn't get a base runner until the bottom of the eighth inning when Trevor Larnick drew a walk. So needless to say, the Twins had a great plan early, and like we've seen so many times with the Twins' offense, they get uh, they can sometimes get on a pitcher early, but then in that middle of the ball game. Making that adjustment has sometimes been the issue for them. I'm not going to, I mean, the offense had a bad second half of the game. I'm not going to rag on them too much, but here's what Twins manager Rocco Baldelli had to say about his team and their, about his team's offensive attack against George Kirby. It is too many strikeouts. I mean, that that's a lot of uh, uh, times where we're just not having productive, uh, you know, outcomes. But um, I did really like what we did early in the game. I really did like, those types of swings. That's the way you have to attack Kirby. Um, that's the way you're going to get to him. And we did get to him. And we got him out of the game. And they ended up bringing in most of their bullpen to stay, uh, uh, you know, in, in in the best possible spot. And they needed a big inning. Um, and they got they got one. They got two of them. Yeah, there's Twins manager Rocco Baldelli talking about that one. And again, Twins still struck out way too many times in the ball game. But when you're scoring runs, you can kind of look past the strikeouts. And especially when you're winning games, you can look past the strikeouts. And since they lost, we're going to make a point of that. And rightfully so. The, there was a lot of strikeouts last night. But this game is really on the Twins' bullpen. And there's going to be some questions as to what the heck Rocco was doing. Now, the Twins' bullpen is gassed. They, have, they haven't had an off day since the All-Star break. They're going to get one tomorrow. But they've been running on fumes, especially because right away in that Oakland series, they had to rely heavily on their bullpen. Then they had a four-game series in Seattle where they had to rely on their bullpen a lot. And then especially having an extra inning game on Monday night and an extra inning game on uh, Sunday afternoon and then a one-run game on Saturday, the Twins just really hadn't given their high leverage, their important bullpen arms, much time to rest. You can't have Yohan Duran, who threw three days in a row in Oakland and then had to throw at least once during the Seattle series and then had to throw 
at least twice during the White Sox series and again uh, in, I believe, Monday night in Seattle, against Seattle. Uh, you just have thrown him a lot, and you don't want to burn out your best. The Twins' bullpen is being held together basically by Yohan Duran, and you do not want to basically burn him out before we get to August. So I get the need to not bring in Duran in the ninth inning when the game is tied and, and, and whatnot, but even though Pagan, despite smart fin- Twins fans all the time who want to say how good Pagan is and we're hating on him too much, uh, he comes in and does this thing again. Now, Giovanni Moran did not put him in a good spot, giving up a couple walks and then a big double and and basically putting his team in a bad spot. Uh, so whether it's Ortega, who then walked a couple guys and hit a batter and then gave up a double with the bases loaded, as you heard, uh, really, even though those three guys are probably on the bottom part of the Twins' bullpen hierarchy, you still need to come in and get your job done. And I think this kind of just highlights the Twins' biggest need at the trade deadline, which for a long time, and me and Corey talked about this just as early as yesterday, uh, you know, maybe that right-handed hitting corner outfield bat is the way to go to help solidify the lineup. And I'm not saying that the lineup doesn't need help. They do. But the Twins, for sure, if they could only make one trade, it would have to be for another bullpen arm. I don't care if it's a high-leverage bullpen arm. It doesn't have to be somebody on Yohan Duran's level, but it has to be somebody who you can trust and basically bump Pagan and Ortega and Moran down the list because you just can't trust all three of them. Now, Ortega got optioned down to St. Paul after the game, but Pagan and Moran are still here, and you're still going to have to figure out what you want to do with them. But they, they didn't do their job. But the Twins are also 9-3 and three since the All-Star break, so they have the best record in baseball in that span. I'm not going to panic over one bad loss. It was a bad loss, but considering the Twins stole a win on Sunday afternoon being down 3 nothing going into the ninth, and the, things kind of worked themselves out. I'm not going to freak out over this loss. If the Twins do this for a couple straight days, then yeah, we can, we can start to panic, but... In the meantime, let's just take it day by day. Here's manager Rocco Baldelli talking about uh, talking about walking too many guys uh, late in the game and how it kind of uh, imploded on him. I think really the uh, late innings for us, the the part that you know always bothers you the most is the free passes, which um, you know they're they're not having to. You, know, you feel like you want to make them earn it. You want to make them work for it. Um, they had good at bats. We just have to get in the zone is what we have to do. And we didn't do our part. And if we do our part, um, you have a much better chance of winning. Yeah, that's Rocco Baldelli talking about that. And and now let's kind of shift gears a little bit here. Let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings as they begin training camp today. Uh, there's a bit of a story, and I'm a couple days late on this, but I think I should just make a note as uh, the Vikings get ready to do training camp. Jordan Addison the Vikings' first-round draft pick. He was a he was a wide receiver out of the University of Pittsburgh, also a wide receiver uh, out of USC, which is where he played last year in college football. Uh, he got uh, a ticket for speeding at 140 miles an hour down I-94 in St. Paul, and his reason was his dog was sick, so it was an emergency. At 3 in the morning, you know, is it? Maybe it is. Maybe it was a dog emergency. Still don't go 140 on the interstate. Don't don't be doing that. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm not, I don't know. Is that the new dog ate my homework excuse? I don't know. As long as he just, again, as I said last week, as long as he just moves on from this 
and doesn't do another stupid thing and compound that mistake, then we'll be all right. And even more, as long as he catches touchdown passes, uh, I think I think fans will forgive him pretty quickly. Another Vikings training camp storyline as they hold their first full team practice today. The rookies practice for the last couple days to kind of get them up to speed while all the veterans will report today and have their first full practice. Daniil Hunter is not holding out a training camp. Uh, he reported to TCO Performance Center yesterday, even though he does want a new contract. And the Vikings call the situation kind of fluid Day-to-day, I think, is the word Kevin O'Connell used. Uh, He's not going to start practicing, but I think the fact that he's reporting uh, shows kind of the goodwill of like, hey, I'm here. I'm doing my part. Will you guys do right by me and get me this new contract? And the Vikings have been a little hesitant to sign out new contracts because they kind of have an opportunity to get out of you know, the Thielen contract is off the books. The Kendricks contract will be off the books. There, There's some dead money that's going to finally kind of go away in the next couple of years. And I think the Vikings, who have been trapped in salary cap heck for the last three to four years, finally see an opportunity to kind of get out of it and have some wiggle room financially to sign some impact free agents and to do some other things. Uh, re-sign guys like Justin Jefferson primarily. Uh, you also see that you got to take care of some guys like Daniil Hunter, or do you not? Or do you let him... Do, I mean, he's not going to play if he doesn't get a new contract. But do you trade him? You're probably not going to get a ton of value for him at this point. But is it worth trading him to get some assets versus signing him to a long-term deal? Do you give him a bunch of money for this year and say, Hey, man, you do your thing and we'll figure it out in the winter? I, I don't know what exactly it's going to look like. All I know is that uh, things will kind of just work itself out. But Daniil Hunter, I think, is a player worth keeping around. He's been a Viking. He's still young. Brian Flores, would love to work with him, I'm sure, and the things that he can provide on the edge. And the other thing for the Vikings is, I know you talk about people say just, ah, just get rid of him. If he doesn't want to play for the Vikings, then get him out of here. Too expensive, get him out. But the only problem is for the Vikings is you're going to have to get some pressure to the quarterback somewhere. Outside of Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith, they did not do a lot of edge rushing. They did not do a very good job of rushing the passer. Now, you could say that's on Donatel not blitzing a lot, and you mo- you're probably right. But also, Zadarius Smith isn't on this team anymore, and he had about half of the Vikings' pressures on the quarterback, and the other half basically came from Daniil Hunter. So are you basically going to try and start from scratch? With an aggressive defense, you need somebody who can get to the quarterback. Otherwise, you're going to get picked apart. So I think there's kind of a there's kind of a, a mutually uh, beneficial relationship here with the Vikings and Zadarius Smith. One last thing to touch on is that there is a quarterback by the name of Justin Herbert. He is a quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. I want to call him San Diego, but not quite there yet. Uh, he signed a five-year, $262.5 million contract extension, making him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Now, why is this important for the Vikings? Well, remember Kirk Cousins is in the last year of his contract. And with Kirk Cousins being in the final year of his contract, that means that the Vikings have already declined in the offseason pretty much to hammer out a new deal. I mean, I think there's been some baseline discussions but the Vikings haven't shown a genuine, like, let's get this deal done, let's get Kirk extended, let's make him a Viking for the next three years. There's a bit of hesitancy on the Viking side 
whether it's hey man we don't know if Kirk's going to have another good year whether it's we want to you know we want to wait and and see and maybe want to draft a rookie quarterback next year and we just want to get Kirk Cousins contract off the books either way Kirk Cousins there's a very good chance he's not a viking next year and one of the reasons why is they're going to have to pay him a lot of money and with Justin Herbert getting paid Joe Burrow is inevitably going to get paid by the Bengals slightly more than that which means Kirk Cousins probably will only take a three-year deal, but are you willing to pay a three-year deal where your quarterback is going to be making almost $40 million a year? The Vikings are trying to shed salary cap, and they're trying to get out from underneath some of the contracts from the end of the Mike Zimmer-Rick Spielman era. And do they want to sign up and have a bunch of the salary cap go towards the quarterback, or do they want to go get their own quarterback? Because remember, Kevin O'Connell, even though he's worked with Kirk Cousins before, didn't sign Kirk Cousins. Neither did Kwesi Dofo Mensa, the Vikings GM. So maybe they want to bring in their own guy and have a quarterback on a rookie contract so you can use that money elsewhere on the team. Th- that's the big question. And I think time will tell. If Kirk Cousins leads the Vikings to another 13-win season, you probably got to extend him. If the Vikings go 7-9, and nine, yeah, you can probably look for a new quarterback. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, July 26th.